But when you think of your own life, you may recall how many times you have put these thoughts into practice. One time or another you might have said and done the same thing that we are reciting here. You certainly might have done things to make others peaceful and happy with your own moral background, your patience, your compassion, your understanding and wisdom. It sometimes might have happened spontaneously without asking any of your help, <coughs> you might have volunteered, you might have done all these things in your life. What we are trying to do is to bring them to our conscious, mindful awareness of how we do this more effectively and more frequently to make it more beneficial, reaching more people, more living beings. You have helped your parents, teachers, friends, relatives, even in different persons or beings whom who even you don't know are your adversaries, but you have wonderful heart. And with that feeling, with that attitude, you might have done many good things for others. We recall those moments and we cultivate those thoughts, that attitude, deliberately, intentionally, so that in future you can do even better consciously. I remember when we established 
our center in West Virginia, our immediate neighbor was so hostile, he shot his gun, called us names, asked us to leave that area, <coughs> clubbed our mailbox, shot at the mailbox, put dog's excrement into the mailbox, <coughs> finally uprooted the mailbox, removed our signboard many times from our own property, burned firecrackers and threw on our roofs while they were doing all this we sent our metta to them. One winter when there was a lot of snow on the ground and this family did not have enough firewood to warm up their home. He had four little children, so we approached them and asked them to come and get firewood from our land so that they can live comfortably. This man came with a chainsaw, cut down a huge tree, took the firewood without even looking at our face. But we were very pleased that he and his family and children were comfortable in that winter. When you practice metta, friends, it is you who enjoy it more than others who receive it. For our own benefit, peace, solace and comfort, without any hesitation, any reservation, we cultivate metta in our heart. We have seen in many places, in many difficult situations, we were able to move on smoothly with the practice of metta. This has a real miraculous power to melt the heart of those who are very rigid and uptight. This is a real miracle, practical miracle. You can see yourself. You don't have to attain enlightenment, gain jhanas to perform this miracle in your own simple way, with all your difficulties, unenlightened state of mind, you can practice this. Don't have to wait until you attain enlightenment to perform this miracle. 
by performing this miracle you attain enlightenment, not other way around. Every time you go to bed, every night practice metta for a minute, two minutes, until you fall asleep, you will see how peaceful your sleep is, how comfortable you feel next morning. Practicing metta is not limited to cushions. We can speak with metta, we can work with metta, you can use all your skills, your strength, your education with metta to help others. Even your job, you may be paid for your own living, but you can do it with metta. So your work will not be uh, tiring and boring. Even the work becomes easy. We have to find a very skillful way of using metta in every possible moment in our life. There is no specific time to practice metta. Although we take some time to intensify it, but in general the practice is all-pervasive, all-encompassing, and always we can do it. Feel how comfortable you are, how relaxed you are when you practice metta. <coughs> you know, don't need any evidence, any documentation, anybody's approval or certificate to understand the benefit of metta when you practice it. Everybody recognizes it. Some people have fear in practicing metta, fear of being taken advantage of you. That of course is groundless fear. People, instead of taking advantage of you, they follow your footsteps, they follow how you are comfortable, and they also want to practice it for them to be comfortable. 
the beginning is little difficult, but as you keep repeating it again and again, you will see the results. The Buddha is the one who practiced it, saw the benefit, and without any hesitation he advocated us to practice it. The monastic members, Buddha said, are indebted to their supporters who provide them with food, lodging, robes and medicine in order to be free from such indebtedness Buddha asked bhikkhus and bhikkhunis to practice metta every day, even for a fraction of a second. That is not very much, but even that short period of metta practice would free them from their indebtedness to people. As Buddha knew the value of the practice, he wanted to show how powerful it is and strongly advised us to keep it in mind all the time. Only those who are mindful, only those who understand can see how beneficial, how powerful it is. <coughs> so when you practice metta, don't think whether it is going to work or not. Don't hesitate. It definitely works. It works only when we very sincerely, honestly, deliberately, intentionally cultivate it. We all have the root of metta. We must nourish it with mindfulness. If we become unmindful, we let it die a natural death or we make it an atrophy without even knowing that we have it. So we deliberately bring this into our conscious mind and see how much power we have within us, how strong our metta is, how friendly we can be with others and how quickly and easily we can win the heart of others and make them our friends.
So it has very practical benefit and personal experience helping us to gain deeper insight. One of the benefits of metta is that one who practices it gains concentration quickly. And that is very precisely what the Buddha said. Therefore, metta practice is very important. Keeping that in mind, whenever you have difficulties during meditation, return to your metta practice and practice metta for yourself and then spread it around towards others. When you practice metta towards yourself, you won't do anything to hurt you. Friends normally don't hurt friends. When harmful thought arises in your mind, you hurt yourself and immediately think that you are your friend, so you don't want to hurt yourself by using harmful thoughts. And relax your body and mind and be friendly with yourself. We don't find any negative result in the metta practice, we always see something positive. As I mentioned yesterday, we can abstain from killing, stealing and so forth. We are doing that. But the next step is to cultivate metta on the positive side. So we have a double strength of our practice. On the one hand we abstain from hurting, harming, <coughs> killing others. On the other hand we practice metta. So we can see how pure and clean our heart becomes. how straight our mind will be. Buddha has said, as I mentioned earlier, this practice brings concentration quickly. He said, Tuvatang Chittang Samadhyati Quickly the mind becomes concentrated when everything is comfortable, peaceful, relaxed, 
soft and gentle concentration is inevitable. So this is an additional support for our practice. All the Buddhas, all the Arahants, all the Noble Ones always praised friendly feelings, friendly thought, friendly attitude, because they are the ones who saw the deep meaning and the benefit of it. So we have no reason even to doubt about the metta benefit. With these very inspiring thoughts of metta, let us continue our practice. Breathe slowly and mindfully. When you breathe slowly and mindfully, you can see four very subtle things taking place very quickly. That is, rising and falling, appearing and disappearing, all phenomena, feeling, perceptions, thoughts, volitional formations, consciousness, all are rising and falling very quickly at uh, an inconceivable rapidity. That is one thing you notice. Second thing is mind does not hold on to anything, even the mind wants to hold on to anything mind cannot hold on to them. Any attempt we make to hold on to them is a futile, meaningless, void effort, useless effort. That we can see very easily. The third thing you see that everything arising and ceasing, whatever arises, passes away and it does not arise again at all. Just notice everything that arises and passes away, passes away forever never to return again. That is what is called cessation. They all cease. Cease to continue, cease to exist, cease to re-arise. Gone forever. Last thing you see is mind releases, abandons, the very attempt to hold on to anything. Seeing these first three steps, impermanence, 
not being able to hold on to things and ceasing forever. These are the three things the mind sees. When mind sees these three things, mind will give up its attempt to hold on to anything. You can see these four steps in a split second much faster than lightning taking place. <coughs> it doesn't matter whether it is internal or external, sound or feelings, sometimes sound disturbs the mind. No matter how many sounds are there, all of them, like orchestra, all of them go through these four stages. Since so many are there, we think they are disturbing us, but when we develop our insight, mindfulness, we can see them all change, disappear, don't stay and never appear them again. Every moment is a new sound, new noise. It is amazing how quickly they change but giving us continuity, steadiness, and non-ceasing perception. That is the distorted perception. When many birds sing together, make noise together, all of them sees every moment, every second, new noise, new sound arises. So we make our mind sharp enough to penetrate even a disturbing noise, so the noise will not disturb us. All depend on our own mental state. It is useless to blame birds, noises coming from outside. They are naturally are there. Even if you go to a deep jungle, you still will hear crickets grasshoppers, little insects, mosquitoes, birds, wind, rattling trees making noise. If you were to go after each of them to stop them, you will go crazy. What we can do is 
to sharpen our awareness, deepen our insight, gain our awareness to penetrate their sound. Don't let them drown our <coughs> practice. We learn to drown their noise. This is another wonderful, wonderful experience you gain to calm yourself, settle the mind and use the object as your meditation object. With these few suggestions, I like to stop and I like you to pay attention to them without worrying, without labeling, verbalizing, conceptualizing, paying total undivided attention to anything you hear. Any sound you hear, because of our habitual way of thinking, we think in a very narrow-minded way. My meditation is disturbed. My peace is disturbed. You think. Friends, it is not your meditation, your peace, but that alone is another phenomenon. You are a part of that whole phenomena. So with mindfulness, you don't try to possess your peace. Don't try to possess meditation. You cannot possess it. It just happens. And you are a part of it. Any sound can make you disturbed if you are not mindful. Any sound you can use as your object of meditation if you are mindful. Buddha said, <coughs> just like fire burns any object thrown into it and reduces it into ashes, when the powerful mindfulness is cultivated, anything would be burned in our 
mindfulness. When mindfulness is strong and powerful and we do it regularly, consistently, for long period of time, it is like a very hot pan heated the whole day when a drop of water falls into it as it, the drop touches the hot pan it immediately evaporates similarly when mindfulness is very strong everything falling into it will be absorbed into the mindfulness. This is a very wonderful simile that Buddha gave. So when mindfulness is strong, nothing can disturb. The mindfulness will absorb it, use it, assimilate it and proceed with further mindfulness. Keep that in mind and keeping it proceed with your practice.